listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. Come out, English soldier. Come out here to us. For some little time, we were cautious and did not even answer. Officers, fearing treachery, ordered the men to be silent. But up and down our line, one heard the men answering that Christmas greeting from the enemy. How could we resist wishing each other a Merry Christmas, even though we might be at each other's throats immediately afterwards? And so we kept up a a running conversation with the Germans, all the while while our hands were on the rifle. Blood and peace and enmity and fraternity, war's most amazing paradox. The night wore on to dawn, a night made easier by songs from the German trenches, the pipings of the piccolos from our broad lines, laughter and Christmas carols, and not a shot was fired. British soldier, uh, Private Frederick Heath, he wrote a letter home describing the Christmas truce of the First World War. British and German soldiers climbed out of the trenches to meet each other in the barbed wire uh, place in the middle. Christmas Eve, a Christmas morning filled with carols and tobacco and wine and a party with the most unexpected guest. One soldier stated, here they were, the actual practical soldiers of the German army, and there was not an atom of hate on either side. This Christmas morning is a reminder that we are far more alike than we are different. That even our greatest enemy in this life is just a person person with their own struggles and their own issues and their own sin. And so this Christmas morning is a reminder that there is hope that even in the darkest of trenches, there's still hope. And yet there is a greater story of Christmas morning, a greater story of peace that extends beyond just a holiday a greater story that exceeds the temporary, the fleeting moments. There's a greater story of rest that is offered to you and I. So let me show you uh, in the Word. We'll finish Isaiah 53 today. If you have a digital Bible, it'll be uh, reading out of the ESV. If you have a bulletin, it's all there uh, in your bulletin. But before we read the remaining verses, let's pray together. Father, we we come before you this morning in a world that is broken. We come before you this morning with, with hearts that are often heavy, wondering if if there's any hope beyond just today, if there's any any joy 
that will last beyond just opening presents on, on Christmas morning. We are gathered, brothers and sisters in Christ, to open and read from the prophet Isaiah a word of hope. A word of hope for the people. A, a word that we all need to hear. So God, we, we plead and we pray for understanding from the text, not just intellectual understanding. God, an understanding that can only come through the Holy Spirit. An understanding that would change our lives. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. This is Isaiah 53. I'll start in verse 10. It says, Yet, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief, and when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offering, and he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand, and out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. And by his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many. He will divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. So the question is how can I rest in Christ this Christmas? It's the question for today. In fact, it's been the question for the last two gatherings. So last Sunday we looked at three points from verses 1 through 6. Rest in His strength, rest in His peace, and then rest in His atonement. Last night, last night Christmas Eve, we looked at one point. Point four, rest in His suffering. That through the suffering of Christ and through his death and his resurrection, our suffering, your suffering this morning, is not meaningless. Our suffering, it's just not without purpose. Our suffering has an end date for the children of God. We can rest even in his suffering. And this morning, I want to give us the remaining two points. So how can I rest in Christ this Christmas? Here's point five. Rest in His sovereignty. Rest in His sovereignty. <clears throat> the prophet Isaiah is speaking to a people that has been ruined uh, by their own sin, by the enemy, a divided kingdom with divided kings. The people of Judah are in need of good news. They're in need of someone to speak some sort of hope into their chaos. Which is why the message from Isaiah in verses 10 through 11, it just, it feels strange. People that are hurting and um, things feel more disconnected than they feel connected. This feels strange. He says in verse 10, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Well, crush who? The servant. All right, well, who's the servant? Christ Jesus. It was the will of the Lord 
to send Jesus to the cross. Friends, that, that has two radical implications for us today. That the darkest moment, the darkest moment in all of human history, all of human history happened because it was the will of the Lord. That God is sovereign and in control of all things, even things that seem painful and without hope, even Job, in the deepest of his own suffering, believed this to be true. Job 42, 2. I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Even, even the Psalms declare the power and sovereignty of this great God that has come we have come to worship this Christmas morning. It's Psalm 115.3. It says, Whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and on earth and in the seas and all the deeps. Psalm 135.6. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and on earth and in the seas and all deeps. Those are two of the same verses. I apologize. <laughs> Is it different up there? Y'all aren't even paying attention. <laughs> All right. Well, let me prove it another way. Isaiah. Isaiah declares God's sovereignty. This is Isaiah 46, uh, verses 8 through 10. It says, Remember this, and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God. And there is no other. I am God. There's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all of my purpose. So there's nothing going on in your life today that God doesn't have sovereign control over. God is not waiting for your next step so he can decide his next move. This isn't some cosmic chess this is the holy God in control of everything. Your life and emotions and mind this morning might be filled with chaos today, but we just serve a God that, that's not. He is sovereign. Which leads to the second and the greatest implication of point one. God is sovereign over the cross of Christ. Simply put, Jesus wasn't and isn't God's backup plan. Now, to be fair, Christmas is full of backup plans. The Amazon package didn't arrive in time. Switched to a different gift. The grocery store didn't have the ingredient. Switched to a different recipe. The family member can't arrive until after work. Switched to a different time for the Christmas gathering. Power keeps going off. Switch to a different option. Tis the season for switching gears and moving to the backup plan, but to be incredibly clear, that's not the story of the nativity. As if we messed all of this up, and the Father looked at the second person of the Trinity and said, hey, um, just hear me out. Um, what if you went down there as a baby and tried to just fix all of this? Like, I know, I know this wasn't, we, we've not talked about this, we weren't expecting it, but you go down there, see what you can do, and I'll stay up here and see what I can do. 
Friends, the, the birth of Jesus was never meant to be the backup plan. It's plan A from the beginning. 1 Peter 1, verse 20, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. The Christmas story is not a Hail Mary to win the game. It's the will of the Lord. It was the will of the Lord for Christ to be born. It's the will of the Lord for Christ to be crushed. And at the end of verse 10, it shows us it was the will of the Lord for Christ to reign forever. End of verse 10, the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So yeah, I understand life's hard. Um, I understand that you have grief at times that uh, it feels like it's hard, it's hard to breathe. I understand that some loss burns um, into your memory until the day you die. Time doesn't make uh, all wounds better. Some wounds really just don't heal on this side of eternity. So, my Christmas plea is to look to Christ. That He is in control of everything this morning. Even, even the ugly things in your life, He's in control. And He has a plan that was the plan all along for we gather this morning to celebrate the birth of Christ. It was the will of the Lord. God didn't send in the rescue squad after he got the phone call. No, church, it's, it's his, in his good love and his good grace, it's his plan all along. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. As Chris mentioned this morning, God with us, so we rest in his sovereignty. There is nothing outside of his plan or his control. How can I rest in Christ this Christmas? Let me give you your last point. Rest in his salvation. Salvation. <clears throat> What's the point? of gathering if we miss the entire point of why Christ was born? Christ was born to save. The end of verse 12 is clear. He bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Christ was born to save. 1 Timothy 1.15, the saying is trustworthy and true, deserving the full acceptance that Christ Jesus, he came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. So we often only think of Jesus um, saving us from the wicked and the evil things of this world. He does. We often only think of Jesus saving us from the sin of other people around us. He does. 
We often only think of, of, of Jesus saving us from the wrath of God. He does. But Christ Jesus also came into the world to save you from you. That too often your greatest enemy is you. The most powerful message of Christmas is only realized when you can boldly say, I am the foremost of sinners, and Christ has come to save me. Uh, John Piper, he put it like this, the message of Christmas is that what is evil and undesirable in your life, it, it can be changed. A critical spirit can be changed. Alcoholism can be changed. Irritability can be changed. Harshness and ingratitude can be changed. Laziness and overeating and nagging can be changed. The excessive TV watching and gambling can be changed. The fear of talking to others and having guests over to your house can be changed. The lack of appreciation for great music and great books can be changed. The indifference to beauty can be changed. Christ Jesus came to the world to save us from fatalism. He came to stop people from saying, that's just the way I am. The nativity is a reminder that you can actually change, that you can actually be made new. Salvation has arrived in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger that the child was born to die so that he might stand between us and the Holy God. And that changes everything. Romans 8.34, who's to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. And more than that, who, is who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed is interceding for us. We rest in his salvation. We rest in being made right with God. Salvation was, was born. Emmanuel, God with us. So December 21st, 1964. CBS uh, aired a special report called Christmas in Appalachia with Charles Curl. The special covered families living in uh, deep poverty in eastern Kentucky. Charles shares about one mother this way. She worked very hard every day of her marriage, and there is nothing conceivable that can stop her work as long as she lives. She knows it will have to be a life without flowers. She's a strong woman, surrounded by exhausted men and living in an exhausted land. When Goldie Johnson speaks of Christmas, it's as if she lived in a country far removed from ours. Goldie shares Christmas was the day that children look forward to. But this Christmas, um, many of them in this holler and in that holler will see it just as another dark night like any other night. This season, um, it's often a reminder of things that we don't have. Maybe we... We just didn't have a lot of presents for the children or grandchildren. Uh, maybe you didn't have any presents at all. Maybe we don't have a Christmas feast like others. Maybe we don't have loved ones with us. 
But listen carefully. I'm not asking you to rest in the abundance of what you don't have. I'm asking you to rest in the abundance of Christ. Verse 12 reminds us that the portion and spoil of Christ will be divided among many, among the strong, among the children of God. If you have rest in Christ this Christmas, you have the greatest gift of them all. Romans 8, 16. Oh, wait, it's fine. It's fine. It happens. It's Christmas. Romans 8. Let's look at verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we also might be glorified with Him. So if you're a child of God, not everyone's a child of God. If you are a child of God, then you are an heir to the child that was born. So Christmas is a reminder that we will be glorified with Him. Yeah, that's something to rest in. So rest in His strength. Rest in His peace. Rest in His atonement. Rest in His suffering. Rest in His sovereignty. And rest in His salvation. And I'll, I'll end with Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us... A child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Let's pray together. Father, we uh, come before you and are so thankful for your word. That we would teach our children and we teach our grandchildren, we teach ourselves, Father. Christmas without the cross is just a waste of our time. God, that Christ has, has been born our substitute. He has come to offer salvation. And that changes everything. And there's no excuse. There's no person here this morning that can claim it. it. It's just the way I've always been. Salvation changes everything. That real change can happen. And so we're thankful for, for the hope of Christmas. Uh, we're thankful, uh, God, that, that there's hope beyond just a, a morning, um, or a happy memory, Father, that there is true rest and hope in Christ. And so we pray these things uh, in your Son's name. Amen.